0: Is everybody, hi, you out there. Thank you for listening. This is this charming list, Alyssa, your host. And let me tell you, I've been so up and down lately about the pandemic, the political climate, what's going on in Afghanistan and the Middle East. Whew. And then also, it's awesome to start this podcast with like a punk rock sort of dynamic. But then when your tech just goes to shit, you're just like, hmm. So I'm working on that. Please bear with me. Um, I hope that all of this permeates into this podcast and that you guys uh, will subscribe and support this channel and, you know, suggest some topics. I mean, I might not care because honestly, I'm doing this because I'm interested in certain things and I'd like to bring it to you and I hope that you enjoy it. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube and Instagram as this charming list and again, please do subscribe. I would like to hit my minimum for subscribers in order to start getting sponsors. I mean, how rad would it be to support and market local businesses, women-owned businesses, people of color-owned businesses? I would love to do that. So please help me out, subscribe and share. Send your mom the link, send your babysitter the link, your grandma, I don't know, anyone else you can think of. My name, uh, this charming list, my nickname is Feminazi. It's meant to subvert a term that people still use today. I heard it growing up, and the term feminist still comes with a stigma. Our society is rampant with anti-Semitism, and in these hyper-political times, I'm just a mama in front of a recording device choosing to use my voice. Disclaimer. This is the internet. These facts are concurrently also from the internet and other random printed sources. Please take them with a grain of kosher salt. Or in other words, this podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this episode. Viewer discretion is advised. Today we are going to focus on the topic of rock and roll. Rock and roll is a genre of popular music that evolved in the United States during the late 1940s and early 1950s. It originated from Black American music such as gospel, jump blues, jazz, boogie woogie, rhythm and blues, as well as country music. I looked up jump blues so I could have a better understanding of that term. Jump blues evolved from the music of big bands such as those of Lionel Hampton and Lucky Millinder. These bands of the early 1940s produced musicians such as Louis Jordan, Jack McVeigh, Earl Bostick, and Arnett Cobb. Louis Jordan was, quote, by far the most popular of the Jump Blues stars, unquote, according to a 1993 news item which mentions other artists who played this genre. Blues and jazz were part of the same musical world, with many accomplished musicians straddling both genres. Jump bands such as the Timpani Five, which came into being at the same time as the Boogie Woogie revival, achieved maximum effect with an eight-to-the-bar Boogie Woogie style. Jordan's raucous recordings with Timpani Five included Saturday Night Fish Fry, one of the first to feature a distorted electric guitar. Many sources describe this recording as jump blues because it literally made its listeners jump to its pulsing beat. According to NPR, another source describes Jordan's jump blues style as combining good natured novelty lyrics, some with suggestive double meanings, pushing the tempo, strengthening the beat, layering the sound with his bluesy saxophone and playful melodies. Beginning in the 1980s, jump blues has seen a revival. Newer artists performing in the genre include Roomful of Blues, Brian Setzer, Mitch Woods and his Rocket 88s and Ross Bond and the Mighty Blue Kings. While rock and roll's formative elements can be heard in blues records from the 1920s and in country records of the 1930s, the genre did not acquire its name until 1954. The phrase rocking and rolling originally described the movement of a ship on the ocean, but by the early 20th century was used both to describe the spiritual fervor of black church rituals and as a sexual analogy, a retired Welsh seaman named William Fender can be heard singing the phrase rock and roll when describing a sexual encounter in his performance of the traditional song, The Baffled Knight, to the folklorist James Madison Carpenter in the early 1930s, which he would have learned at sea in the 1800s. The recording can be heard on the Vaughan Williams Memorial Library website. Some say African musical traits brought here beginning in 1619 fused with the European music brought here by the colonists. In 1934, the song Rock and Roll by the Boswell Sisters appeared in the film Transatlantic Merry-Go-Round. In 1942, before the concept of rock and roll had been defined, Billboard magazine columnist Maury Oredenker started to use the term to describe upbeat recordings such as Rock Me by Sister Rosetta Tharp. Her style on that recording was described as rock and roll spiritual singing. By 1943, the Rock and Roll Inn in South Merchantville, New Jersey, what up, New Jersey, was established as a music venue in 1951. In Cleveland, Ohio, disc jockey Alan Freed began playing this musical style, also in 1951, and referring to it as rock and roll on his mainstream radio program, which popularized the phrase. Freed's role in breaking down racial barriers in U.S. pop culture in the 1950s by leading white and black kids to listen to the same music put the radio personality at the vanguard and made him a really important figure, quote-unquote. After Freed was honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, the organization's website offered this comment, quote, he became internationally known for, pro- for promoting African-American rhythm and blues on the radio in the United States and Europe under the name of rock and roll, unquote. Several sources suggest that Freed found the term used as a synonym for sexual intercourse on the record 60 Minute Man by Billy Ward and his dominoes. The lyrics include the line, quote, I rock em, I roll them all night long, unquote. Fried did not acknowledge the suggestion about that source in interviews and explained the term as follows quote, Rock and roll is really swing with a modern name. It began on the levees and plantations, took in folk songs, and featured blues and rhythm. Unquote. In the earliest rock and roll styles, either the piano or saxophone was typically the lead instrument. These instruments were generally replaced or supplemented by guitar in the middle to late 1950s. The beat is essentially a dance rhythm with an accentuated backbeat, almost always provided by a snare drum. <sighs> classic rock and roll is usually played with one or two electric guitars, one lead, one rhythm, and a double bass, string bass. After the mid-1950s, electric bass guitars and drum kits became popular in classic rock. Rock and roll had a polarizing influence on lifestyles fashion, attitudes, and language. It is often depicted in movies, fan magazine, and on television. Rock and roll may have contributed to the civil rights movement because both black American and white American teenagers enjoyed the music. The origins of rock and roll have been fiercely debated by commentators and historians of music. There is general agreement that it arose in the Southern United States, a region that would produce most of the major early rock and roll acts through the meeting of various influences that embodied a merging of the African musical tradition with European instrumentation. The migration of many former slaves and their descendants to major urban centers such as St. Louis, Memphis, New York City, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, and Buffalo meant that black and white residents were living in close proximity in larger numbers than ever before and as a result heard each other's music and even began to emulate each other's fashions. Radio stations that made white and black forms of music available to both groups, the development and spread of the gramophone record and African-American musical styles such as jazz and swing, which were taken up by white musicians, aided this process of cultural collision. The immediate roots of rock and roll lay in the rhythm and blues, then called race music, in combination with either boogie-woogie and shouting gospel or with country music of the 1940s and 1950s. And I cannot just breeze by terms like race music, you know? I mean, they're cringeworthy. But as others have noted, it's important to use these terms and consequently cringe so that we can have even a momentary feeling of what it was like in those times and what was normalized. Particularly significant influences were jazz, blues, gospel, country, and folk. Commentators differ in their views of which of these forms were most important and the degree to which the new music was a rebranding of African American rhythm and blues for a white market or a new hybrid of black and white forms. In the 1930s, jazz and particularly swing, both in urban-based dance bands and blues-influenced country swing, like Jimmy Rogers, Moon Mullican, and other similar singers were among the first to present African-American sounds for a predominantly white audience. One particularly noteworthy example of a jazz song with recognizably rock and roll elements is Big Joe Turner with pianist Pete Johnson's 1939 single Roll'em Pete, which is regarded as an important precursor of rock and roll. And I'm going to play a short clip of that, bear with me, here we go. Awesome song. I can only b- begin to imagine hearing music like that for the first time. I mean I would feel like my body was on fire. I would totally be one of those girls screaming in the aisles and fainting and just having heat exhaustion and just making a hot mess of myself, let's face it. During and immediately after World War II, with shortages of fuel and limitations on audiences and available personnel, Large jazz bands were less economical and tended to be replaced by smaller combos using guitars, bass, and drums. In the documentary film, Hail Hail Rock and Roll, Keith Richards proposes that Chuck Berry developed his brand of rock and roll by transposing the familiar two note lead line of Jump Blue's piano directly to the electric guitar, creating what is instantly recognizable as rock guitar. Similarly, Country Boogie and Chicago Electric Blues supplied many of the elements that would be seen as characteristic of rock and roll. Inspired by electric blues, Chuck Berry introduced an aggressive guitar sound to rock and roll and established the electric guitar as its centerpiece, adapting his rock band instrumentation from the basic blues band instrumentation of a lead guitar, second chord instrument, bass, and drums. In 2017, Robert Christgau declared that, quote, Chuck Berry did, in fact, invent rock and roll, explaining that this artist came the closest of any single figure to being the one who put all the essential pieces together, unquote. Rock and roll arrived at a time of considerable technological change, soon after the development of the electric guitar, amplifier, and microphone, and the 45 RPM record, There were also changes in the record industry with the rise of independent labels like Atlantic, Sun and Chess servicing niche audiences and a similar rise of radio stations that played their music. It was the realization that relatively affluent white teenagers were listening to this music that led to the development of what was to be defined as rock and roll as a distinct genre. Other artists with early rock and roll hits included Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Gene Vincent. Chuck Berry's 1955 classic, Maybelline, in particular features a distorted electric guitar solo with warm overtones created by his small valve amplifier. However, the use of distortion was predated by electric blues guitarists such as Joe Hill Lewis, Guitar Slim, Willie Johnson of Howlin' Wolf's Band, and Pat Hare, The latter two also made use of distorted power chords in the early 1950s. Also in 1955, Bo Diddley introduced the Bo Diddley beat and a unique electric guitar style influenced by African and Afro-Cuban music and in turn influencing many later artists. Rockabilly, usually but not exclusively, refers to the type of rock and roll music, which was played and recorded in the mid 1950s, primarily by white singers such as Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, and Jerry Lee Lewis, who drew mainly on the country roots of the music. Presley was greatly influenced and incorporated his style of music with some of the greatest African-American musicians like B.B. King, Arthur Crudup, and Fat Stomino. His style of music combined with black influences created controversy during a turbulent time in history. Many other popular rock and roll singers of the time, such as Fats Domino and Little Richard, came out of the black rhythm and blues tradition, making the music attractive to white audiences and are not usually classified as rockabilly. Presley popularized rock and roll on a wider scale than any other single performer, and by 1956 he had emerged as the singing sensation of the nation. Bill Flagg, who is a Connecticut resident, began referring to his mix of hillbilly and rock and roll music as rockabilly around 1953. His song Guitar Rock is considered as classic rockabilly. In 1956, the arrival of rockabilly was underlined by the success of songs like Folsom Prism Blues by Johnny Cash, Blue Suede Shoes by Perkins, and the number one hit Heartbreak Hotel by Presley. For a few years, it became the most commercially successful form of rock and roll. Later rockabilly acts, particularly performing songwriters like Buddy Holly, would be a major influence on British invasion acts, and particularly on the songwriting of the Beatles, and through them on the nature of later rock music. Doo-wop was one of the most popular forms of 1950s rhythm and blues. Doo-wop, doo-wop often compared with rock and roll, with an emphasis on multi-part vocal harmonies and meaningless backing lyrics from which the genre later gained its name, which were usually supported with light instrumentation. Its origins were in African-American vocal groups of the 1930s and 40s, such as the Ink Spots and the Mills Brothers. They were followed in 1940s R&B vocal acts such as the Orioles, the Ravens, and the Clovers, who injected a strong element of traditional gospel and increasingly the energy of jump blues. By 1954, as rock and roll was beginning to emerge, a number of similar acts began to cross over from the R&B charts to mainstream success, often with added honking brass and saxophone, with the Crows, the Penguins, the Eldorados, and the Turbans all scoring major hits. Despite the subsequent explosion in records from doo-wop acts in the later 1950s, many failed to chart or were one-hit wonders. Exceptions included the platters, with songs including The Great P- Pretender, and the coasters, with humorous songs like Yakety Yak, both of which ranked among the most successful rock and roll acts of the era. Towards the end of the decade, there were increasing numbers of white, particularly Italian-American singers, taking up doo-wop creating all white groups like the Mystics and Dion and the Belmonts and racially integrated groups like the Dell Vikings and the Impalas. duwop would be a major influence on vocal surf music, soul, and early Mercy Beat, including the Beatles. Many of the earliest white rock and roll hits were covers or partial rewrites of earlier black rhythm and blues or blues songs through the late 1940s and early 1950s, R&B music had been gaining a stronger beat and a wider style, with artists such as Fats Domino and Johnny Otis speeding up the tempos and increasing the backbeat to great popularity on the juke joint circuit. Before the efforts of Freed and others, black music was taboo on many white-owned radio outlets, but artists and producers quickly recognized the potential of rock and roll. Some of Presley's early recordings were covers of black rhythm and blues or blues songs, such as That's Alright, A Countrified Arrangement of a Blues Number, Baby Let's Play House, Laudy Miss Claudy, and Hound Dog. The racial lines, however, are rather more clouded by the fact that some of these R&B songs originally recorded by black artists had been written by white songwriters, such as the team of Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Songwriting credits were often unreliable. Many publishers, record executives, And even managers, both black and white, would insert their name as a composer in order to collect royalty checks. So it's interesting to me that most people would sum up rock and roll as white people appropriating black music, which of course is true. But like most, if not all things in this world, there are gray areas and everyone wanted a piece of that pie, right? By the late 50s, rock and roll had begun to move away from the raw immediacy of its early stars and become a vehicle for the banal contrivances of camera-ready faces singing songs about teenage romance. It had barely established itself, yet rock and roll was losing its rebellious edge and drifting into the abyss, becoming nothing more than a catchphrase for corporate-sponsored teen music with a beat. The Retirement of Little Richard to Become a Preacher, 1957. The Departure of Presley for Service in the U.S. Army, 1958. The Scandal Surrounding Jerry Lee Lewis's Marriage to His Thirteen-Year-Old Cousin, 1958. The Deaths of Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens in a Plane Crash, in 1959. The Arrest of Chuck Berry, 1959. And The Death of Eddie Cochran in a Car Crash, 1960. Gave a sense that the initial phase of rock and roll had come to an end. As interest in rock and roll was beginning to subside in America in the late 1950s and early 1960s, across the ocean in Britain, cheerio, things were much different. British youth had followed rock and roll from its beginnings and from a distance that allowed them a clearer view of the music. England was not saturated with around the clock radio. Their exposure came from the few singles shipped from America and limited programming on the government-controlled BBC. This limited availability contributed to an excitement, much like young white Americans had discovered late at night with their radios listening to R&B stations in Rock's earliest days. A British blues scene developed, initially led by purist blues followers such as Alexis Corner, and Cyril Davies, who were directly inspired by American musicians such as Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, and Howlin' Wolf. Many groups moved towards the beat music of rock and roll and rhythm and blues from skiffle, like the the Quarrymen, who who would later become the Beatles, producing a form of rock and roll revivalism that carried them and many other groups to national success from about 1963 and to international success from 1964 Known in America as the British Invasion, groups that followed the Beatles included the beat-influenced Freddie and the Dreamers, Wayne Fontana and the Mind Benders, Herman's Hermits, and the Dave Clark Five. Early British rhythm and blues groups with more blues influences included the Animals, the Rolling Stones, and the Yardbirds. Rock and roll influenced lifestyles, fashion, attitudes, and language. In addition, rock and roll may have contributed to the civil rights movement because both African American and white American teens enjoyed the music. Many early rock and roll songs dealt with issues of cars, school, dating, and clothing. The lyrics of rock and roll songs described events and conflicts that most listeners could relate to through personal experience. Topics such as sex, that had generally been considered taboo, began to appear in rock and roll lyrics. This new music tried to break boundaries and express emotions that people were actually feeling but had not talked about. An awakening began to take place in American youth culture. In the crossover of African American race music to a growing white youth audience, the popularization of rock and roll involved both black performers reaching a white audience and white musicians performing African-American music. Rock and roll appeared at a time when racial tensions in the U.S. were entering a new phase, with the beginnings of the civil rights movement for desegregation, leading to the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that abolished the policy of separate but equal in 1954, but leaving a policy which would be extremely difficult to enforce in parts of the United States. The coming together of white youth audiences and black music in rock and roll inevitably provoked strong white racist reactions within the U.S., with many whites condemning its breaking down of barriers based on color. Many observers saw rock and roll as heralding the way for desegregation in creating a new form of music that encouraged racial cooperation and shared experience, yes. Many authors have argued that early rock and roll was instrumental in the way both white and black teenagers identified themselves. From its early 1950s beginnings through the early 1960s, rock and roll spawned new dance crazes including the twist, let's do the twist. Teenagers found the syncopated backbeat rhythm especially suited to reviving big band era jitterbug dancing. Sock hops, school and church gym dances, and home basement dance parties became the rage. And American teens watched Dick Clark's American Bandstand to keep up on the latest dance and fashion styles. From the mid-1960s on, as rock and roll was rebranded as rock, later dance genres followed, leading to funk, disco, house, techno, and, of course, hip-hop. Thank you so much for listening. It was a brief history. Thank you. Stay safe. Please share this episode with those you love. I leave you with a Yiddish saying, Yeder Mensch hot ziek pekel. Everyone has his own burden. Good night.